the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, December the 23rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On December 23rd, 1948, former Japanese Premier Hideki Tojo and six other Japanese war leaders were executed in Tokyo. Today, in 1783, George Washington resigned as Commander-in-Chief of the Continental Army. He retired, sort of to his home at Mount Vernon, Virginia. Today in 1788, Maryland passed an act to cede an area not exceeding 10 miles square was the designation. They uh, did so for the seat of the national government. About two-thirds of the area became the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., the swamp. Today in in 1913, The Federal Reserve System was created. Today, in 1941, during World War II, American forces on Wake Island surrendered to the Japanese. Today, in 1954, the first successful human kidney transplant took place. It was between two twin boys. Today, in 1968, 82 crew members of the U.S. intelligence ship Pueblo were released by North Korea 11 months after they'd been captured. Today in 2003, the government announced the first case of mad cow disease in the United States. It was in Washington state. And one year ago today, a federal judge in Seattle partially lifted a Trump administration ban on certain refugees after two groups argued that the policy kept people from Muslim countries from reuniting with their family in America. Maybe there was a reason for that policy. Maybe not. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today. It is the um, last day before Christmas, the last weekday. I'm going to be taking off a little time next week. I'm going to be gone for the week and on Monday uh, the following. And I'll be back live on the program here on January the 3rd. And so... um, This is the last time I'm going to be talking to you live for a while, but we're going to be running uh, just a few days, but we're going to be running some reruns. And um, we've picked those because they were particularly people responded perhaps more to some of them or whatever. But I think you'll enjoy that. And so I hope that you will. And and maybe others that don't listen regularly or don't listen at all would happen to hear them. And uh, so we've chosen those and they'll be playing next week each day, Monday through Friday, and then on Monday, uh, the 2nd, and then I'll be back live here on the program on uh, Tuesday, January 3rd. I want to thank all of you for your support of this ministry. It has been, it's humbling, and uh, we're able to do this and to make all the pieces come together and get it done um, because of, of the hard work of a lot of people behind the scenes and because of your support. And I, I am truly humbled by your support and I want to thank you for it. It is a um, uh, 
It's a difficult world to navigate in with a Christian message nowadays. There's a lot of resistance to just the gospel in general, and particularly uh, people who are identifying the issues in the culture and relating them to the spiritual problems that are creating them. And that's what we try to do here every day, and that is not well received in some parts, as you can imagine. So there are uh, costs that go beyond just creating the program every day and and doing it live and and all of that. And there are significant costs, and airtime in particular. But uh, there's legal fees and protections that we have to take and one thing or another. So I just want to thank you for all of that. And I want to encourage you to stand with us. I've got some plans and some things that I'm thinking about and praying about in, for this coming year in, in 2023. And uh, I'll be sharing that along the line as we get back live uh, on the 3rd. But um, thank you so much from my heart. And please stand with us. When I take a week off, it doesn't mean that the budget takes a week off. It continues. And I know you know that because you have a budget. Everybody has a budget. So thank you for standing with us and making the end of this year strong for us. Please do so so we can start strong next year in 2023. President Joe Biden delivered a Christmas address on Thursday, yesterday, but he didn't even mention the name of Jesus or Christ, which reminds me that I didn't mention our mailing address. Uh, I'm focused on the content of this program. I'm not focused on raising money, but we, of course, need it. But our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can contribute on our website, Faith and Freedom, Faith, A-N-D, Freedom, US. There's a lot of faith and freedoms out there. And uh, I got a letter from someone who's been very generous to this program the other day and said, man, I almost made a contribution to another faith and freedom. He said, I don't know who they were, but he said, I couldn't remember your box address. And so he said, I looked it up. I keyed into the Google and I got a faith and freedom and I started to started to send the check to them. And he said, man, I, I realized it wasn't you. And there, there are a lot of them. There, there were not when we started uh, Faith and Freedom the Foundation, but uh, there is now. And we put my name legally on our ministry for that reason uh, alone. But so be careful. You might end up, there's a Muslim uh, website and there's several other Christian websites. So we don't want you to get on the wrong one if you're trying to get on ours. But it's faithandfreedom, A-N-D freedom dot U-S. And thank you again. But Biden didn't even mention the name of Jesus or Christ. He said, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. He began his address. He said the president spoke about this, or the president spoke about the child that was born on Christmas, but he didn't speak the child's name. We looked to the sky to a lone star shining brighter than all the rest, guiding us to the birth of a, of a child, a child that Christians believe to be the Son of God. Interesting, because he claims to be a devout Christian, and I know the answer to the question that I'm asking. The answer to the question is, well, I'm the president of everybody, not just devout Christians like me. But that would be a misnomer, because that isn't exactly why he does this. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
and our words often betray us. He spoke several times, the president, about the light and the peace at the heart of Christmas. That's fine. That's good. There is light and peace. The Bible talks a lot about light and peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He said, the light is still with us, illuminating our way forward as Americans and citizens of the world. Well, Christianity is not really about globalism, politically. A light that burned at the beginning and at Bethlehem, he said. The president used the Christmas holiday to ask Americans to unite around shared values rather than getting caught up in the political bitterness. Does he not know that the political bitterness... I'm not condoning bitterness, but does he not know that that political bitterness is is forged because of the deep values that we hold that he and his the left is is daily attacking, trying to undermine and essentially remove from our culture? Apparently not. He said, "I hope I sincerely I sincerely hope this holiday season will drain the poison." that has infected our politics and set us against one another. Well, it isn't really politics that have set us against one another. It's deeply held beliefs like marriage, like life versus murdering unborn children that are unwanted. And now it's it's about all kinds of evolving genders. Well, God himself, who became flesh and dwelt among us through the birth of to the Virgin Mary. It is that God whom we challenge and shake our fist at in America today under his leadership. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to be honest. He does not have a clue what's going on in this world today in the culture. He doesn't get it. Or if he does, he doesn't care. I hope this holiday season will drain the poison that has infected our politics. I guess that means that we should shut up and go along with the secular progressive humanistic value system that he's a champion of. He is the banner carrier for. And he said, and look, really look at each other, not as Democrats or Republicans, not as members of Team Red or Team Blue, but as who we really are, fellow Americans. Well, we are fellow Americans, but there is a deep divide in America today, and I don't know about you or anyone else, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And serving the Lord does not mean giving a little lip service when it's convenient or it's not threatening or perilous for you to do so. It means you stand for what the Bible teaches. And the Bible doesn't teach the stuff that this president is pushing on America today. He's destroying the very core beliefs of this country as far as their effectiveness in the country. And he calls it poison to anyone who disagrees with him. The president called for everyone to conduct acts of kindness for each other during the Christmas season. That would be a wonderful thing. That's godly. He said it might just be the best gift that you can give. I want to give you a contrast on that. Again, I'm not trying to be critical of him. I'm just trying to speak the truth. This is what's wrong in our country today. I mean, at the core. Let me give you another president 
oh, all of them spoke of God and Jesus Christ and the Messiah and so on in their addresses in the early days of this nation. I mean, that was common because that's what they believed. But in more recent times, in your lifetime and in my lifetime, President Ronald Reagan repeatedly on Christmas talked about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. That's what presidents who truly believe in Christianity and believe in the God of the Bible and believe in Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God who was born to a virgin in a manger so that he could save the world from their sin and give us eternity with him as opposed to being in hell. I mean, people understand that, who know him personally. Ronald Reagan said this on December 20th, 1983, as President of the United States. He said, it's a very special privilege for Nancy and me to expand, extend warmest greetings and best wishes to all of you during this most joyous of holiday seasons. He said, this festive occasion is celebrated in many different ways. We exchange gifts, attend church services, decorate our homes and Christmas trees, and enjoy a family dinner. But perhaps the tradition that most warms the heart is the sound of Christian music, Christmas music. He said, of all the songs ever sung at Christmas time, the most wonderful of all was the song of exultation heard by the shepherds while tending their flocks on the night of Christ's birth. And the angel said unto the and, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto them and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of voices praising the heavenly Father and singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Reagan said sometimes in the hustle and bustle of holiday preparations we forget that the true meaning of Christmas was given to us by the angelic host that holy night long ago. Christmas is the commemoration of the birth of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. whose message would truly be one of good tidings and great joy, peace, and goodwill. Ronald Reagan was not a perfect individual. None of us are. But that those contrasting letters is the legacy of what's wrong in America. There is a group of people in America who feel like Ronald Reagan when he said those words. There is another group of people in America who on their on their best behavior use the words of Joe Biden in regards to Christmas. I'll leave that and you can think about that later. When the First World War began, British women sent an open Christmas letter to the women of Germany and Austria imploring peace as the first Christmas of the war approached. Pope Benedict the 15th on December 7th, 1914, he begged for a truce, asking that, asking that the guns may fall silent at least upon the night of the angels, saying, Nevertheless, on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1914, an estimated 100,000 British, French, German troops in Belgium along the Western Front, they just stopped fighting. The thunderous booming of artillery fell silent that night. It was strange. 
German troops started decorating their trenches with Christmas trees and candles in their branches. And let me say to those of you who may have seen some of the uh, opposition to this story, it is so well documented, it, it, it cannot be denied. This, this actually happened by many, many, many troops that were there. They wrote about it in their diaries. They wrote notes and letters to their families and explained it at the time. It did happen. German troops, as I said, started decorating their trenches with Christmas trees and candles in the branches. And they began singing. Still knocked. Silent night. was one of the Christmas carols that soldiers on both sides knew. English, French, German troops, they all knew that song in their own language. Silent Night was written sometime before that. It became so popular, the origin dates back to Christmas Eve on December 24, 1818. It became so popular that it was sung around the world by then. There's a great story behind that, and I won't tell that story today for the sake of time. But it's been translated, and had been at that time, into 44 languages. Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright, Round Yon Virgin, Mother and Child... Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night, son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. That's what brings peace on the battlefield or in America, in the community or in your home. That's what brings peace. The 1914 unofficial Christmas truce continued. Soldiers from both sides started shouting Christmas greetings to each other. This really happened. The C. Ernest Fornow of the British Rifle Brigade uh, wrote wrote in a letter to his parents. He said, about 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve, the Germans started lighting up Christmas trees in their trenches. He said, we took no notice of them until they began to sing. He said, then we began to cheer them and talk to one another as we were only about 80 yards apart. He said, so by the light of their searchlight, our officers went across halfway and their officers came out to meet them. They shook hands and conversed for a while. He said, it was, he said to his parents, he said it was agreed that we should have a day off and they would, and they would fire the first shot to start again, start the war again. <laughs> So from 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve until 10 o'clock this morning, which was December 26th, he said, neither neither side has fired. We only walked about. Some of the Germans came across to us. We shook hands, had some chocolate and cigars from them. He said, venturing across no man's land, they recovered bodies and held joint burial services. This Lance Corporal Imlaw of the Gordon Highlanders, He wrote in a letter to his father, he said, Our Padre then gave a short service, one of the items in which was Psalm 23. Thereafter, a German soldier, a divinity student, I think, interpreted the service to the German party. I couldn't understand what he was saying, but it was beautiful to listen to him. He said, He said, The service was over. We were soon fraternizing with the Germans, just as if they were old friends. The Hertfordshire Mercury, the newspaper, on November or January 9th, 1915, published a letter from British rifleman C.H. Brazier. All through the night, we sang carols to them. They sang to us, he said. On Christmas Day, we all got out of the trenches and walked about with the Germans 
who then asked if they were fed up with the war. They were out. He said, we asked them if they were fed up with the war. They said, yes, rather, or yes, very much so. They all believed that London had been captured and that German sentries outside were outside Buckingham Palace. He said they were, evidently were told a lot of rot. He said, we gave them some of the newspapers to convince them. Soldiers even played soccer. The Germans won three to two. This other guy, this brain's father, I think is his last name. I think that's how you pronounce it. He served during the First World War. He wrote, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. He said, I spotted a German officer, some sort of a lieutenant, I think. Uh, and being a bit of a collector, I intimated to him that I had taken a fancy to some of his buttons. He said, I brought out my wire clippers and with a few deft snips, removed a couple of his buttons and put them in my pocket. I then gave him two of mine in exchange. He said, the last I saw was one of my machine gun, my machine gunners, who was a bit of an amateur hairdresser in civil life, cutting the unnaturally long hair of a German who was patiently kneeling on the ground while the automatic clippers crept up the back of his neck. In, in The Christmas Truth, Malcolm Brown and Shirley Seaton, they, they wrote that. It's a book. They said there was general handshaking. The dead were buried. Cigars, cigarettes, and newspapers were exchanged, and a general celebration ensued. When General Sir Horse Smith Dorian, the commander of the British Corps, when he heard what was going on, he was irate, and he issued strict orders forbidding friendly communication with the opposing German troops. There was also... Another one who was opposed to the truce, he was a young corporal in the 16th Bavarian Reserve in the infantry. His name was Adolf Hitler. That war, as you may know, continued for more than four years. It cost the lives of nine million combatants and seven million civilians. One of the deadliest conflicts in American history. But the gospel of Jesus Christ and the recognition of who he is even stopped that war, if but for a moment. It stopped that war, and it brought that war to some kind of a conclusion. I've shared this story several times since we've had this program going. It's been about 10 years now, I think. Amazingly, I can't hardly believe it. But uh, I started out, Tom Reed and I had a conversation. He said, man, he said, I've been reading your, the blogs that you write. This was 10 years ago. And he said, have you ever thought about doing a radio program? He said, I understand you have some um, history in the media, which I did indeed. And so uh, he said, would you consider it? And I said, well, I'll give it some thought. But honestly, don't tell Tom, but honestly. I didn't want to give it much thought because I didn't. I knew what how much work it would be, and I was over forty at the time, and uh, <clears throat> wanting to spend a little time with my recliner. But nonetheless, here we are, and uh, I'm so happy because of that. So over those years, I have I have shared this story before. So if you've heard it here, bear with me. It is a fantastic parable. It was given by Paul Harvey. He said, now the man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, most 
good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men, etc. But he just didn't believe all that incarnation stuff with the churches that the churches proclaim on Christmas time. It just didn't make sense. And it was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. He said, I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife. But he said, I'm not going to church this Christmas Eve. He told her he would feel like a hypocrite. He said, I'd rather just stay at home and I'll wait up for you guys. So he stayed at home and his family went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window, watched as the flurries got heavier and heavier. He then went back to his fireside chair and began to read the newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, then another and another, and sort of a thud or a thump. And At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against the living room window, but when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in desperate search for shelter, They'd been trying to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. He would provide a warm shelter, if he could direct the birds into it. Quickly, he put on a coat and his boots and trampled through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide, turned on the light, but the birds, birds didn't come in. He figured food would entice them, so he hurried back to the house, fetched some breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, it didn't happen. The birds ignored the breadcrumbs, continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around, waving his arms. They scattered in every direction, except the warm-lighted barn. Then he realized they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, I'm trying to help them. But how how can I do this? Any move he made tended to frighten and confuse them, just if they would just follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and he mingled with them and speak their language that I could tell them to not be afraid, that I could show them the way to the safe, warm, to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to become one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, at that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. He stood there listening to the bells pealing, hearing the bells peal, the glad tidings of Christmas, And it was then that he sank to his knees in the snow, because now he understood. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. He was preached among the nations. He was believed in the world and was taken up in glory. And he will return. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's always an honor. I'm always humbled to spend these few moments with you. Have a wonderful Christmas. I hope that you're spending time with family and loved ones, and I hope you have a great time and Take a moment or two or three 
to think about the real meaning of Christmas. President Joe Biden kind of missed it in his address. Don't miss it. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Have a great weekend and week. I'll see you back here on January 3rd. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.